What's up, all you funeral potatoes out there? You're listening to Polygonometry. This is a genealogy kind of-ish podcast where basically I sit down with one of my relatives to discuss what it's like growing up in polygamy. My guest on the show this week is someone who is very near and dear to me. Uh, We grew up together from afar in a weird way. He's also my uncle, kind of. You'll just have to get into the episode and find out for yourself how all that polygonometry and that kind of thing works. Another thing that we talk about on this podcast is him becoming a dad, soon to be father, and I am so excited, and I am bursting at the seams, and I am so happy to announce that my guest has had his baby boy, and he is here, he's with us, and since he's my uncle, kind of, I have a new kind of cousin. Oh, I'm so stoked, and he's happy, he's healthy, as well as my guest's wife, she is doing great. And, you know, for giving birth, she is doing awesome. How crazy is it? Dude, before we get into the episode, how crazy is it that human beings give birth? Absolutely insane. And it's such a miracle and it's so wonderful. And I am so excited to meet him, hopefully, in the future once once the world starts calming down. Okay. So if you've been listening to the show and you have all these different questions that are just kind of kicking around in your head and you haven't figured out a way to reach out... Rest assured, there is a solution, and that solution is social media. I have an Instagram page, a Facebook page, and an email, polygonometrypod at all of those things, okay? Give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram, slide into the DMs. I'll be more than happy to answer any question that you have, and more than likely, in the future, hopefully February, beginning first week of February, I'm going to be recording a Q&A episode, just me answering the listeners' questions. And by the way, no question is out of bounds. Any question you want, because believe me, I have been asked all of the questions. I'm not a scared, so hit me up. And I hope you enjoy the conversation and the perspective of my mom's dad's third wife's only son. What was the Sundays like? Oh. And then, because I know that that kind of like morphed a little bit, right? Yeah. From my earliest memories in Utah, we would go to Mormon church, right? So you went to an LDS steakhouse or ward house, I mean. Steakhouse, yeah, really. Steakhouse. <laughs> Mormon, um, Mormon at, steaks, LDS filet, <laughs> filet mignon. <laughs> uh, that was before we moved, and we were out of the church at the time, and I, but my guy had no idea what was going on. All I remember from that time was wanting my Lunchables. I don't remember any of the teachings. <laughs> I literally remember the teacher took away my Lunchables, and I'm like, damn it, I want that. And I would try to get him in the middle of the lesson, or whatever it's called, and she would get mad at me. And then my dad would have to come and say, son, you're supposed to pay attention. And I'm like, I'm Lunchables. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's like, but like as soon as we moved away, we like my dad, we didn't go to church, nothing. We would do Sunday school, and it would usually start around 10 o'clock, and my dad would be like, time for Sunday school. <laughs> Just scream it out everywhere. Sorry if that was loud in your ear. <laughs> I'll be able to hopefully edit some. Yeah, but he would just scream it. And uh, in his big, deep, booming voice. 
And so we'd all go up at the top floor, bottom floor, middle floor, whatever floor we were on for that so day. So your house had three stories. And, three stories. And each story belonged to... To a mother. To yes. a mother, yeah. With its own kitchen, living room, bathroom area, right? It was a really nice setup. So it was a home per level. A home per level, essentially. And each mom's lived on each... Like, each mom's children lived on each floor. And Stella obviously lived um, alone on the top floor. So we would, we would go between each floor and then how the Sunday school worked would we start out it was like essentially a normal Sunday school routine just with my dad's flair in that it would start out with worship right we do we had all these hymn books and my mom played the piano and you guys would sing we would sing and usually it's just the kids mumbling while my dad is the baritone just (laughs) and the kids were like just like trying to make sure that you can just get through the song how many songs would you sing We'd usually sing three, but, but so <laughs> by, by the time we were all like, Seth was a teenager and I was like 10 years old, yeah. we knew all the shortest songs. And so, <laughs> so we would pick the shortest song, like, Dad, let's do this one. This one's my favorite. Yeah, and he'd you, be like, all right, fine. He knew. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> so you wanted to get out of singing by just being like, yeah, sorry, shortest song. <laughs> just so there get was a, through it. Oh. I, I remember the page number in the handbook, 162. I don't even remember the song. I just remember it was like two stanzas long. Like, okay, so was it like a regular Mormon hymn book that Grandpa had on hand? or? Yeah, no, he, well, he so he bought like 10 of them or something, right? And then by I'm the time curious. we were... By the time we were like stopped doing Sunday school, they were like so worn out. I bet you they're somewhere in storage still. I should find them. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look it up. Possibly. It's just, I remember uh, it's like I'll wait just, it. just HYMN hymns. That's all it was on the front cover. Yeah, I, th- it, I mean, does it have the uh, the tabernacle? Organ? Yeah, the tabernacle. Organ. Oh, okay, I know exactly which. <laughs> yeah, you probably had the same. Yeah, I mean, Grandpa probably just was like, yeah, these are old. These are in the <laughs> storage room of the. Of the LDS, quote Pro- unquote, you know, <laughs> he probably just picked them up from some LDS storage church that he was security of. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. One day I'll, we'll look it up. We'll play the music whenever oh, we have you on the podcast. I, mean, I know. Next. I know. Like all the songs that we, some of the songs we liked. Um, Israel, Israel, God is calling. Sunshine in my soul. Um, <laughs> do what is right. I, I could I could recite because we sang those songs over and over again because they were the shortest because <laughs> they were the shortest and also the, like some of like do what is right had a fun melody that me and Ben would actually like to sing like we would like get into that part and then we like go back to mumbling right after <laughs> there's like one specific <laughs> little hook of the oh, song yeah, yeah the I hook could of sing the it. hymn I could sing it but this isn't that show so. <laughs> yeah it was it was a good time and then after we did the the worship my dad would have some sort of lesson planned out that he actually planned out like he was very studious about it yeah and in the beginning it was like nibiru (laughs) planet x um so hold on so he would he would talk about planet x well what he called nibiru yeah well nibiru okay oh my god that's a rabbit hole oh we would we would we would go outside i remember the the lesson i loved the most (laughs) we would go outside in our yard and then my dad would be like Michaela, you're the sun because you're so bright and something like that. And Shannon, you're going to be Earth because you uh, make a such good such a good home or something. And then okay. like Joel, you're going to be uh, Neptune because you're way out there. <laughs> <laughs> and so he'd assign a planet, and then he'd be like, "All right, Seth, you're going to be Nibiru, All right? And so he's like, he's like, "Go out in the woods." 
And then, and then I'm like, all right, you guys are all the solar system. And be, Seth, come on, sprint over here. And so Seth would come sprinting with like a dodgeball or something. <laughs> and of course, oh like my God. 12-year-old us is just like, Seth just starts like going off course and bouncing into Ben. Everybody <laughs> acting like the planets are colliding. <laughs> oh, my God. And then and my dad would have to rein us in and... Oh yeah, but it was it was like it was fun, you know. It was a way to like kept it engaging. He did. He was honest. He would have been a great teacher if yeah. he was if he was, you know, didn't have such a crazy hectic life in different ways. Yeah, he had that, which is why I think we have Chad as a teacher, myself, Seth, Shannon as a teacher. No, we wanted to be teachers. That mm-hmm. same sort of personality that wants to engage but also teach people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So we would do some sort of something like that and. And then uh, we would close with a song and a prayer. We always had morning and opening prayer, or closing and opening prayer, and then that was it. And then we had a meal afterwards, and the boys and girls would switch between dishes every meal, and we'd, he'd make sure the moms didn't do have to do any of the dishes or cleaning up. And um, But he always liked to... Um, he would always try to teach us like one wrong thing and then like tell us what the wrong thing was so that oh. when we were listening and then we aren't we always weren't just taking it for fact that's with, something that de- like i remember my mom and that that was something that my mom kind of used with me as well growing up um because something that she valued about i mean that's a kind of an interesting dynamic too because oh, yeah. we have the first generation and second generation <laughs> which oh, yeah. i think is something that's like super interesting of like so grandpa was a convert to polygamy. Yeah, he was not born, which is rare um, from yeah. what I imagine. You probably know better than well, I. Well, I mean, I know it, it's not common. No. Like trying to convert people to the lifestyle of living with multiple wives and and all of the, the things that are, you know, basic Mormon doctrine mm-hmm. are kind of a tough sell if you're not a missionary. Um, and even then, it's a super tough sell. Obviously, any sort of return missionaries that are listening right now probably could be like, oh, uh, no, it's a lot harder than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. I've been chased off lawns with garden hoses thousands of times <laughs> or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, then like grandpa having all of his crazy life beforehand, which we'll definitely get into with him when he's on the show, but then converting. So, well, he, so he, he not, had, he he not only converted had, to polygamy, he converted to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Mary Stella, and then converted to polygamy. So, so yeah, he he was like a double convert in a way. Like oh, he yeah. kind of like see, he had his life, all of his stuff, Secret Service, Border Patrol, mm-hmm. you know, and then converted, or in that process found grandma, and yeah. then um, you know started a family and raised that family in the LDS Church, mm-hmm. and then converted from Mormonism to polygamy. Polygamy. Yep. And yeah. so the, the family, so my mom and her brothers were raised LDS and then yes. converted and to I polygamy. and I suppose we should say that your mom is my sister, technically, for the listeners Yeah, so, so you are my mom's dad's third wife's oldest son, or only son. Yes, so, so, so Kelly would be my half-sister. And also, Jake is my, your dad is my second cousin on the Jessup side, and I have Jessup through my grandma, Evelyn. <laughs> so, so somewhere along there we're double related yeah so you and me are double related yes cousins <laughs> second third cousins whatever and slash half double cousins basically yeah whatever yeah, yeah. we'll figure out the math later <laughs> yeah it's one of those things that like every i mean the show is called polygonometry right so oh yeah it's it's all about how 
crazy. I should incorporate this in my, I'm a math teacher for those who are listening. I should incorporate this in my classroom. I mean, if you're willing to go into that with your students, like, okay, so here's my family tree. Here's how the pedigree works. And I know it's complicated, but think of it like a math formula. Oh, and then I could like have problems. So if you're, uh, if your uncle's brother's grandson is related to you, what does that make you guys? Right. And then I oh, uh, yeah. do a little problems like that. <laughs> that would be so awesome. That turns it from a math class into like a sociology class. Oh, I could, I could get in with another professor. We could co-teach it. Oh, know? that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, be Dude, I would love to come in and co-teach with you. That that'd would be, be sick. Fun. Yeah. That I don't know if they awesome. allowed it in COVID, but it'd be fun. Well, we'll stand six feet apart and, yeah. and act like oh. we're wearing masks. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, so he, so my mom and her brothers were raised, from what my mom says, like almost a different father. Not like different as in like um, he completely changed as a person and all that stuff. It's just no, that, he softened up. Yeah, he softened up. Yeah. I mean, because like having a lot of kids and having two more wives and everything else, mm-hmm. like that would definitely change a person, <laughs> to oh, yeah. the very least. Well, and like you might be able to speak better this than I. Um, he while he was raising your mom and Brady and he was also in the, either in the border patrol, the secret service or a security job for the church. Yeah. Right. Very, you know, law enforcement type jobs. Yeah. While he was raising me, he was working at home with a business with my mom and, and or retired. Yeah. So, so like, it was definitely a little bit of a different home. Yes. <laughs> to say yes. The least. He wasn't coming home after, you know, trying to, prevent mexicans from illegally crossing the border or vice versa mm-hmm. and then he or he wasn't coming home from protecting richard nixon in the hideaway office you know <laughs> you know so it's <laughs> dude yeah i'm so excited to sit down with him it's gonna be a great time but yeah so he and from what my mom was saying is since she had a father who was you know in essentially a law enforcement position whatever mm-hmm. kind of enforcement position it was whether it's secret service border patrol security for yeah. the church um um he like i remember my mom telling me about times where she would you know like it'd be time to clean the house and time to make your bed and mm-hmm. grandpa basically oh, yeah. took that and went military with it he did that with us but not as hard yeah, yeah. um where he like my mom describes like walking around he and grandpa would measure their blankets mm-hmm. to make sure that it was even with the floor with a ruler yeah and make sure that your blanket was on your bed straight and it, all the wrinkles were put out and he would walk around with a quarter and bounce it off of their bed mm-hmm. to make sure that it could bounce and like you had to do like the whole like i mean everything yep. was everything was spick and span orderly home mm-hmm. and everything else and then after he converted to polygamy and you know married he, two more women he and just had more used kids. those as threats and then rarely would he actually bounce a quarter but he'd be yeah. like i'm gonna bounce a quarter i'm gonna i'm gonna measure this and then we realized <laughs> a couple years later like oh he's not gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh and so he basically yeah definitely softened up from what oh, you would yeah. say yeah he was but i mean it wasn't he always was still based on like that like tough love you know he called it the bloody nose principle so it wasn't that he was soft it was that he was he was softer than he was which is like <laughs> why i admire your mom and and chad and brady and jared because yeah i don't know that like it's a different day and age but that would have been my, my dad was certainly a tough guy to to get along with in some respects and then to we just we sometimes us kids would just go crazy because dad was either we thought too strict or we thought not fair enough or something along those lines so yeah but he, what he always did was out of love mm-hmm. like always so and i think that's 
the part that you got to hang on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned, um, like how he, cause I mean, we got on a little tangential, which is totally cool. But, um, the, the thought of, (sighs) I'm trying to remember what you said, like, okay. So something that my mom had and something that, uh, you also had was this idea of like, grandpa telling you something that was false oh yeah back to that and and like trying to instill a practice of kind of benevolent skepticism yeah thinking for yourself and not just taking the man's word yeah just because the quote-unquote authority figure Mm -hmm. said something doesn't make it true yeah yeah and i dude that's actually like a pretty important (laughs) thing to instill especially when you are you know a convert a to Mormonism and then after that to polygamy. polygamy like that. And then you leave on your own whim too. Yeah. 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 I would definitely want to talk to him about that process and what his intentions were and everything. But that was something that my mom did like when oh, yeah. I was growing up with me. Like yeah, she, I mean, I guess it was a little bit different tinge just because of the messenger. Right. So it's mm-hmm. different coming from my mom than it is coming from grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, and their delivery of those types of intentions are just different. But, um, yeah, she had that with us as well, like telling us, you know, this, you know, A, B, C, and D, and ask our opinion about it, and then say, well, actually, C was completely false. Mm-hmm. You know, so that way you have to have doubts about all of them, find out for yourself, and then make mm-hmm. your assessment first before it's like, oh, yeah, that does make sense, mom, or that does make sense, boss, or that, oh, that does make sense, government official. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's something that's like super important. It's also, I mean, this is, I'm, I, I tend, since I'm a teacher, a second year teacher, I tend to relate everything back to teaching. It creates a, a sense of not teaching somebody what to think, but how to think. Oh, like okay. a deep, deeper level on the critical thinking scale, mm-hmm. you know, um, where the Bloom's taxonomy. And I think it's very valuable just not even as a teacher in a classroom, but just when you're raising children or engaging with people, if you're overseeing people in a workplace... You know, you'd rather have thinkers who can approach problems knowing how to think, how to think it through rather than like seeing rules or seeing like, you know, just black and white, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something my dad, maybe not intentionally, but did really well. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom. So, yeah. And that kind of Are, are you going to do that with your kids? Yeah. I imagine I want to. Yeah. Because I, I know it provided a lot of unique perspective for me, mm-hmm. um, but Man, raising kids is a whole nother thing that I've thought tons about. Yeah, because you have one on the way, man. I have one on the way. Holy shit. Dude, that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've been telling me. Think, thinking about you being a dad has been some. Uh, I, I mean, because I'm not a dad yet, and I'm not married, and I, I mean, like I haven't even approached that thought, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that says about me yet, but whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. each to their own, um, you know. But, but thinking of all the people that I grew up with, you know, like you and 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 all like all of these, you know, mm-hmm. family members, like yeah. now having kids, and thinking like, wait a second, <laughs> this is the ne- the next generation, man. Like, oh yeah, this is this is crazy to think about that. Like now we, like I think about my parents, and when my parents were my age, they, they had were. already had three kids and one on the way. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. to think of me having three kids with one on the way. Oh, it's scary as hell. Oh, like, dude, I'm no. terrified of that thought. Oh, man, I'm terrified right now, and I'm like, wait, 26 is a good age, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of something that's funny, too, is that you're technically my uncle, but you're younger than me. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, so whenever I introduced you or 
I usually say cousin, right? Yeah. Especially around here because the connotations. But also just because it's so much easier than trying to like explain s- the polygonometry behind it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, he's just my cousin. If I say nephew, they're like, double take what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like old and bald. <laughs> like, yeah, this is my nephew, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Um, wait, what were we talking about before that? Uh, we were talking about... Oh, kids. And yeah. 26 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, technically, I'm a great uncle because your older sister yep. is my niece, and she has two kids, which makes them my great nephew, niece? You, no, your grand, your grand, grand nephew, grand niece. Grand nephew, grand niece, which makes me a grand uncle, great uncle. Great uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was an uncle before I was even born. <laughs> minute I jumped into that egg, I was an uncle. <laughs> yeah, the minute. <laughs> the minute. The, the second. exact second. It's like, oh, yeah, pregnancy test came back positive. Oh, it's so cool to have an uncle. <laughs> Such yeah. a cute little uncle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they called they, right from the get go, my name was Uncle Joel. <laughs> uncle Joel. I mean, I remember, yeah, Uncle Jojo. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> Dude, what if, you were, what if you were born, like, as a typical uncle type of behavior? You know, like the stereotypical, like, Oh, the co- fun uncle you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the fun uncle. So, like, you, like you're born and you're all of a sudden wearing, like, <laughs> oh, like, like, rad, like, somewhat, like, you're trying to be cool. Like, you're wearing, like, a really eccentric pair of boots. Mm-hmm, or With jean shorts or with something. With jean shorts or, yeah, or sandals with jean shorts. Oh, yeah. And you're carrying a beer. You have oh, a backwards yeah. hat on and you're calling everybody sport. <laughs> hey, sport. <laughs> but, but you're, but like, I'm like, three <laughs> minutes old. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Or even like just imagining six year old me going to kindergarten wearing that, like with a fake beard hand or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Telling everybody how you have like this really awesome theory about politics or something like that. Oh That'd yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yep. And the minute somebody's like confrontation happens or discipline happens, I'm like, um, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's so cool. No, I, I knew that was kind of something that that was like happened in the home. I mean, I'm kinda of like reeling it back a little bit, but like of you know the perception of kids and oh yeah you know the legacy comment and i know it's kind of a little bit more of a broader, broader umbrella mm-hmm. um but do you feel like twinges of that now that you know you're you're about to be a father of like your legacy and wanting to make sure that you leave something better for your kid i mean i know that's definitely like a uh, thing well, but i wanted to get your thoughts on that yeah no the way i think about it because obviously the world's in this crazy state nowadays it's like mm-hmm. And part of me is actually really like slightly depressed, not that I am depressed, but slightly depressed by the fact that I only feel like as I get older, the world's going to get crazier. Yeah. Um, you know, you could point to numerous variables that are changing, whether it's social unrest or climate change or whatever it is. And the fact that my kid will have to be slash children will have to be raised into that without their knowing, you know, yeah. without, you know having a decision in in that and which is like you know it's depressive if you think about it and then yeah to to name on top of that the fact that i've always felt like i would have been happier if i lived grew up in the 50s or the 60s without cell phones without you know like the because i don't do well with like this mass social connection i've never like connected with social media in that fact i've always done so much better like face to face you know yeah which is why like you know when i moved my sister's like joel you never talk to us anymore i'm like well it's like it's like not something i it's not that i don't like you guys not that i don't love you guys or want to i just i just just doesn't come to me oh okay you know it's not something that i like naturally think to do i'm gonna get on my phone and i'm gonna check in with somebody yeah if it's something around me i'll be like oh hey i need to go check in with that person Mm -hmm. you know like say what's up 
Yeah, like I do this with my students all the time. I'm always looking for the person who might feel, be feeling left out or who's like not struggling but not saying it, right? Yeah. So it's not that I don't think about this. It's just it's a lot harder for me in like this day of mass social connection. So in the fact that since I feel like I don't connect with this day and age as well as, you know, I want to, will my child feel that way, you know? And there's really no turning back. It's not like you can turn back and... I mean, you can't return your kid. No, and but you can't like turn back the time either. Like, yeah. So it's kind of makes you think like, what's my child? What's his personality? I'm having a son. What's his personality going to be like? And is he going to want to feel that way too? But he's not going to have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives like existential feeling like that. And then also in the same sense, like I grew up with such a unique personality being raised in a polygamous household, but being raised to be monogamous yeah oh yeah that's interesting as well yeah grandpa and then also so grandpa didn't really push the whole polygamy guy no he, told, guys, he actually he? encouraged us to avoid it entirely oh, and okay. then also we were never really around any the only polygamous household we were ever around is our own unless we came to montana or utah mm-hmm. um so the fact that where, where was i going with that thought Oh, so the fact that I was raised with such a like a unique perspective and everything, like how do I, and I felt like I, I love that upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I kind of also create this like unique perspective to like, um, for my child to not just be in his own bubble, you yeah. know, to, so that he can kind of see the perspective of different, um, you know, way people's are, people are raised and value um, where different people are coming from being able to have a little bit more of an empathetic perspective maybe yeah well the so growing up it was very it was very eye-opening i think i think i got a good dose of what perspective means from a very early age because one it's obviously different having like three families and seven siblings because right from the get-go you have a bunch of personalities that are engaging with each other Mm -hmm. and then when you go to school there's a completely different like everybody has a, a different sort of family life than you do. Like I remember going over to a friend's house and he says, and I was really young at this time, so I didn't know any better. Um, but he's like, um, he mentioned something about his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what about your other moms? <laughs> you know, cause you had just assumed like, I assumed that like people like other families probably had other moms. Yeah, right. Because that's, I mean, that's your family. That's and my it family. Would make sense. That- and this was very young age. Right. Uh-huh. And I imagine my dad probably said something along the lines of, you know, not everybody has three moms, Joel, but yeah. I probably didn't listen or I wasn't, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. And he's like, but my friend said to me, he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, never mind. Uh, oh, okay. So you like kind of realized like in that moment, like, oh, maybe something's up well, here. Well, like that's, that's where you're like, hopefully people are socially aware enough to be like, oh, something's not connecting here. I'm going to back up and observe okay yeah yeah and so then i've quickly realized not everybody's the same way yeah and not everybody's raised the same way so that created a unique sense of perspective and then i'm having like the same sort of like realization now is like i would like for my son to also have like not this in the same sense but be able to see perspectives of different you know Mm -hmm. people and not judge them yeah for that because i didn't want to be judged for coming from the family i was did you ever feel like you were Sometimes, but I didn't realize until like I was in high school. Like we had some instances that happen, um, but I, I think ultimately just created the sense in me that you know I've been through. Like I feel this way. I don't want to be judged this for for the way that I feel. Right. So if I look at somebody else, they're probably going through something else. So I don't want to judge them for that. Right. Yeah. 
and I think it's I think it's valuable for everybody to go through something like that. Mm-hmm. And long story short, bringing it back down to what you talked about, how do you provide that lesson to your children? Yeah, I like I don't know. I, you don't know yet because he's not here yet. He's not here yet, and that was such a special situation that I grew up in. I'm not going to recreate that by any means. Yeah. So you and your wife are gonna be like, well, we have to get two more. I have to crank out seven more kids before he's born. No. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I know we only have a month before he's supposed to be coming, but we need to get on it. Yep. <laughs> There's work to do. <laughs> There's work to do. Honey. Yeah. No. <laughs> Did you ever? So your so grandpa never pushed the polygamy card. You you said so you had no. Like there was, was there ever a point in your life where you're like, no, I'm actually gonna live polygamy, or was there any any time like that? For you? No, I've had, so I've had this talk with with uh, my wife a little bit, um, and she like the way the way I kind of grew up with it was so no, dad never pushed polygamy, and it wasn't even that he really talked about it. We would like ask questions, and be like, um, and then it would kind of come along the lines of. No, polygamy isn't for everybody, and I certainly would rather you guys be raised monogamous because... And then he went into, like, a lot of the practices within polygamy and Mormonism and everything, and how he's not really raising us within those practices. Oh, right? okay. So, so he, it wasn't he was saying monogamy is better or polygamy is better. He was, was saying, here's something that's a little bit different, and here's kind of what I want for you guys. Yeah, ultimately, he's always kind of said on, under the lines of, I'm going to support you, and as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, right, then mm-hmm. I'll support you. Because he had kids who were polygamous. Yeah. So it's not like he was saying, like, these kids are worse because they're polygamous or they're making bad decisions as polygamous. That's not what he was saying. He was more along the lines of, whatever you do, you need to be thinking it through. Yeah. And right now, I encourage you to to choose the monogamous route before you just jump on a polygamous route. Okay. Because one comes with a lot of connotations. One comes with like more stress, right? Yeah. In, in yeah, any case. Sure. So. I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm bald is because he's bald. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> from stress. <laughs> from stress. From three wives. Um, and like, it's a, it's a unique conversation to have, especially when you're trying to have it with like a 14 year, your 14 year old son. Like, mm-hmm. how do you kind of describe that? So he didn't go out of his way to like, say be monogamous yeah he kind of let the situation unfold over time and then i think naturally we just all of the kids who are like in the second generation naturally chose like oh i'm gonna be monogamous the second generation meaning the polygamist offspring if you want to call it that maybe yeah so the kids from diana and my mom yeah Yeah. had yeah like after grandpa had already converted to polygamy because basically before he converted to polygamy the kids from grandma were already you know, somewhat grown up. I mean, they were like in high school yeah. and stuff, right? So they yeah. weren't like technically raised in polygamy, but then you were obviously. So that's was, the first generation and then second generation. But I, yeah, but I wasn't raised with any like the dogma behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't raised going to church around other polygamous families and saying You were like, raised learning about space. Learning, <laughs> <laughs> learning about how Nibiru is going to come save the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff, right? Um, and obviously, what I think a big part of it is all your friends, right? Mm-hmm. Are monogamous. It was a fairly normal childhood being raised in like Joyce Washington with, you know, all your hick friends and everybody. And <laughs> if if you're you obviously value that group of friends you're in, and then if you go and you date a girl, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, by the way, I want to be polygamous growing up. What do you think of that? And she's never even heard of it in her life. Like, oh my God! Did you experience that at some point? Oh, I mean, I experienced it when I actually started dating in college. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, I had a, no, I had a girlfriend in high school too, but 
um they they knew you had two but i didn't at the same I, time. but it, they kind of also understood like hey he's not he's not gonna be polygamous is he you know like no so, so he was just raised in it so that's yeah like, so they knew right but well how did that conversation go i'm just curious <clears throat> i can't remember like it can kind of came to the point where everybody in the community knew, hey, this is the cuckoo family over there. That's actually pretty cool, right? <laughs> like we eventually like after, right, like your reputation of being off, you know, awesome people. Yeah, like everybody in the family was usually pretty stand up. Um, like had good grades, was good in sports. Like they were good people for the most part, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so that reputation kind of built up. Like hey, these people aren't crack jobs. Yeah. So we don't need to. They're eccentric, but they're not bad people. There's some people that ha- held on to this. Like, so when the whole Warren Jeffs thing came out, mm, yeah. we got some flack for that just yeah. because we were polygamy. People like would spray paint Warren Jeffs on some, some of our like property. Oh, really? Yeah. So we had like this sign up at Crescent, like an advertising sign, like saying, William support the Crescent loggers. Right. And it had all our names. Somebody came like spray painted Warren Jeffs on it. And I'm like, really you douchebag. Like, wow. Like we hate Warren Jeffs just as, just as much as you. Yeah. Not a lot of people are about that guy. <laughs> no, like if, if anything, <laughs> we hate him more than you do. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Like the tarnishing of, yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe not so much tarnishing of your name or anything like that, but like, but like, there, there is, there is nuance between what Warren Jeffs is doing versus what Grandpa was doing. Oh and yeah. Versus, I mean, even like with Grandpa, his whole situation was completely different from most other polygamists, anyway. Oh yeah, entirely. And so there's like a lot of different. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of differences in the way that Warren Jeffs went about his life and how he, you know, mm-hmm. taught his family and oh, yeah. you know and all that stuff versus versus Grandpa. And completely, completely different completely oh. different oh, i mean the polygamy entirely. is kind of the only thing that's like similar in my opinion oh yeah i mean like we that's a whole nother like rabbit hole but like in any, in any case like there's people who kind of held on to that i realized and but they didn't they never said it to our face which is kind of like you know which is being kind raised of worse by, yeah being raised by rod williams i'm like if you're gonna have an issue with me say it to my face right yeah yeah and usually i have i don't have any issues with any people in general mm-hmm. so um, but for the most part, the community accepted us, and so everybody kind of knew it, but they wouldn't bring it up to us. Okay. But when they'd come over, they just knew, right? Yeah. And so all like eventually they turned into a normal childhood, just this, with this, this little twist or asterisk that you had to like, mm-hmm. you know, a little caveat. Yeah, but which is funny because eventually I didn't realize it, but I would talk to people after high school. I would meet people and say like, "Oh, hey, you're from Port Angeles. I was from Joyce, you know." Mm-hmm. And like, I, there's this one guy I met in college. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm from Port Angeles." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm from Joyce." He's like, "Oh sweet, so you went to that little hick town in college, or like hick town called Crescent?" I'm like, "Yeah, that was the school I went to." He's like, and then long story short, came up and um, we I can't remember how it was, but he's like, "Yeah, did you ever hear about that like weird like polygamous family out there?" And I'm like. Oh yeah, no, I heard about it. <laughs> and so you didn't acknowledge that you were literally a part of it. No, I didn't. <laughs> but just because I was like, I didn't know this guy that well. We were just talking because he was from the same town that I was. Yeah. Was so like, you just found like a you know a common connection, like oh yeah. Yeah, and, I, and then eventually I never talked to him after that, anyways. But yeah, so apparently people knew about us, but yeah, again, nobody like confronted us, you know. <laughs> so, but the people that we did know well in school, like they came to accept us, and it was fine. But yeah i had i had a very similar experience when i was in uh when was it yeah i was in college 
because yeah. obviously in high school I was in the same situation. Like, I mean, with my last name, it's just oh Jessup, yeah. It, it, I mean, whole, it, there's politics behind it. Here, yeah, right? there's a lot of politics behind it in the place where we or where I grew up, and and I mean, I, I'm sure I'll say this on the podcast numerous times, but like if you were to Google my last name, you'd be oh, able yeah. to find a lot of stuff about polygamy. I mean, there's been you know like Escape by Carolyn Jessup, mm-hmm. you know, is a you know a book, you know. A memoir, almost. I can't remember. I had. I haven't read it in a long time. But um, talking about her escape from the FLDS community from Warren Jeffs and like all these different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she wasn't married to Warren, but she, you know, talks about that experience. But this, at any rate, it's like her last name is something that is common. Like people associate my last name with polygamy. They associate it with this you oh, know, eccentric yeah. lifestyle. Whatever adjective you want to put in front of that, it's kind of what it's associated with. Yeah. Um, and so, like having like it was in college and uh this is one of my teammates came up and she's like hey so what's your name and so i was like oh my name's chris he's like oh what high school did you go to because she was from montana as well Mm -hmm. i was like oh i went to corvallis she's like oh you went to corvallis Mm. oh i hate corvallis everyone there is like tall blonde and fast (laughs) <laughs> and so because you're referencing some, yeah. some of my teammates from high school who the, the by the tr- way track the, legend really Corvallis yeah was. and so uh, the athletes that she was referencing actually weren't part of Pinesdale at all but she was like yeah and all those Jessups right <laughs> did you tell her you were a Jessup uh, and I sat there and I didn't know how to really feel about it because it was like I was a freshman in college I had oh, never yeah. I mean I was in Bismarck North Dakota you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I was like you know 13 hours away from home and so I was just trying to navigate this whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a different person. And at that time, for me, tumult- it was very tumultuous just because, like, I was investigating the LDS church and then all this stuff happened with mm. that. And I was yeah. like, trying to find my spot. So I didn't help. Uh, socially, I was just an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, and all those Jessups. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So many of them. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You you know, I was like, trying to play, it. play it off. But yeah. um and then she like, and then I just went by my last name on the cross country team, um, just because that was just one of those things that happened. You know, they'd be like, "Hey, come on, Jessup, let's go." So I was no one really ever called me Chris. Mm-hmm. It was always Jessup, um, which I was stoked on because if that were to be my nickname in high school, half of the Hollywood would turn their heads. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, "Hey, Jessup," and then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, everybody be like, hmm? "Yeah, you talking to me." Um, yeah, and so yeah, I never. I, I, at that point in time with this with this particular friend of mine like she I didn't divulge that information but then she found out I was and she's like you didn't tell me that you were just, I'm so embarrassed now you know and so she kind of like regretted you know, she probably time. had this moment like oh this guy's not one of like I just st- definitely stereotyped him yeah I mean yeah. if that was the case I, I obviously don't know how she was truly feeling in that at that time yeah. but like and and then afterwards I mean it was all good from then on I I, I never felt as though she was you know targeting you targeting me or anything like that but it was kind of definitely one of those moments where i was like oh yeah and she was from a town that was like 10 hours away from Mm -hmm. she still like the reputation still spread yeah and so she was from the other side of the state yeah and we have this small town of less than a thousand at least at that time i think Mm -hmm. it might have been over a thousand but i mean it's it has a like growing up in polygamy like has this thing that is kind of pervasive oh yeah and i mean anytime you talk about utah with anybody it's it's like like, oh "Oh, so they're mormons oh so they had multiple wives yeah you just go on reddit and anytime utah comes up like oh all those like polygamous mormons and whatever (laughs) it is i'm like well it's not no (laughs) i mean mormons used to live polygamy a lot 
Yo, yeah, <laughs> it they, was they... a thing, especially when Utah was like on the on the cusp of becoming a state and all this other stuff. Oh, we just could just go do some research on BYU's patron saint Brigham Young. Mm-hmm. You know, he had I don't know how many wives, but I think it was like fifty six. Shit ton. Yeah. yeah. A li- yeah, a shit ton. That's a great way to say it. A <laughs> shit ton of wives. Shit that should be a wives. unit of wives. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when you say, you're like, oh, how far did you run today? Oh, a hammock. Like, how many wives you got? A shit ton. <laughs> yeah, that was something that we did in high school. We called the we used the word hammock as a unit of distance. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, depending. I think it's like depending on which historian you talk to. Like, if you talk oh, to yeah. an LDS historian versus like someone who's non LDS the answer will be different. I, I mean, that gets in what bugs me about Mormonism is the, you could call it the fluidity or the chain, the way, like the way they change their stance on black, black. Um, Dude, that's something that will be on this for sure. We'll oh, definitely yeah. be talking about that. And then they're like, the how they like revere Joseph Smith. But again, he had 30 something, you know, he was like 38, 37, 38, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah. if you're going to revere somebody, but then you're changing your, your, your dogma, your core values that Joseph Smith brought with Mormonism, just because the state told you no. Right. Yeah. Which, which is like, is God the state then is God telling, you no, or is the state telling, you no? Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in my personal opinion, it was kind of just a politicking move to become oh, yeah, federally, funded, federally funded yeah, or whatever. I mean, obviously, like, that is definitely up for debate, for sure. And I'm mm-hmm. willing to, to chat about it with whoever is, you know, on the other side of that fence, for sure. And, I, and something that I really want to emphasize for anybody that might be listening is that I don't ever have any sort of ill will. Oh, I'm no. sure that you're in, in the same cloth as me. Is like, I don't. I'm not sitting here telling you that you're a bad person because you believe this way. No, no, that, not at all. Because how hypocritical would it be for me to say I don't think that you're of you know of value because you believe a certain way? And when no. I used to believe <laughs> no. in polygamy <laughs> yeah. and like all this, like that would be super hypocritical. And so I don't ever want to. Yeah. Like I want to have a discussion, not an argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we get into like our spiritual values, like one of my biggest spiritual values is everybody's on their own journey, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're, whatever you believe, as long as you're treating other people right, I'm all, I'm all on board for it. Like, yeah. Same with me, man. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't so matter I what. Just, the whole dogma behind the Mormon history is kind of it gets real shaky. Yeah. It gets it real. It's not the most stable. No. It's have not. you have you like died like dived into that kind of stuff at all like with your oh, own personal research at all i did so when i lived in utah i went to the um the what's that temple square right mm-hmm. and they give you a, like a, you can go into what's that big building the tabernacle choir building so the tabernacle is that it yeah okay yeah anyway so you can go through there and they give you like a free little walk through and they there's all these pictures that like kind of display the history of mormonism yeah and by the way if anybody decides to go to temple square it's under construction right now so you can't oh, yeah, do it it's right. going to be that way for like the next like four years or whatever because they're renovating a bunch of stuff oh that's right yeah. but heard about that. in the event that you get the chance to go to temple square do it oh it's really beautiful it's it honestly the most Go to Temple Square specifically during Christmas time. Yeah. It is beautiful. Beautiful. Regardless of how you feel about Mormonism, regardless of how you feel about polygamy or whatever, you know, all these kooky, crazy people that have multiple Mm -hmm. wives. Yeah. It's honestly like the architecture of the temple is beautiful. Oh, in my opinion. It's a very beautiful building. Oh, Salt Lake City in general kind of is a nice, in my opinion, a really nice city. I like Temple Square is like, you know, the gem of it all. Mm -hmm. I like Salt Lake City living there. Mm -hmm. It was, it felt clean. It felt like... And you could probably chalk this up to a bunch of variables, but it felt like walking down the street, I was like 
it was clean like i felt like safe blah safe, blah yeah. you could get chalked that up to the large white population you know like they're economically they're a strong city you know blah 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 going on but i just felt like it's a nice city Anyways. yeah but not yeah. to say that if you were to walk into anybody who wasn't white that you would automatically feel unsafe no no <laughs> not trying to bring up that the, all the social unrest but yeah yeah, yeah. just want to make sure that that gets clear because then in the event that someone gets really mad at you <laughs> no i was more like just making sure we're clearing that up context nuance everybody nuance. yes yes and i think i was more trying to point towards the fact that some like when i go i'm a big redditor and when you whenever i read something about salt like they always point to like how it's very like white yeah very, okay so like, that's what you were referencing yeah okay. and like somebody might say well the reason salt lakes is this way just because they have a small black population and they don't take care of the, their black population really well. And I had that conversation with a lot of people because okay. most of their, you know, quote unquote slums are, again, minority populated, yeah. which is something I think Salt Lake City can do better about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned you were in the tabernacle, like looking at all these oh, pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were in the tabernacle and this, they take me through this this tour and again this is like the first time i really started getting into it about how the history of like the golden plates right mm -hmm. and the history that they told how they came over to south america like or the americas really early on in history or whatever mm -hmm. it was and then how i can't remember actually i can't even remember from so there. the the story of you know israelites essentially the israelites sailing to sailing the americas to the americas yeah continue uh, i mean this is a real truncated version and more than likely this will be something that is also a very common thread um is like okay so essentially there's lehi who's kind of the the father mm -hmm. uh, it's nephi's father right yeah and so if you've ever okay, heard of nephi reading the book of mormon and mm -hmm. comes back to me yeah yeah so lehi is nephi's dad and he's the prophet at the time or he's the one who has the fullness of the gospel mm -hmm. and he had this dream about jerusalem burning god tells him to boost so he boosts come to america and basically is the granddaddy of all and this is actually something that's kind of interesting and when we were talking about the foundation of the mormonism um that used to be like official church uh, documentation says or said rather mm -hmm. that the Nephites and Lamanites were yeah. the direct send or the direct ancestors of Native Americans. Now they've changed it to they are now amongst the ancestors of yes. the current day Native Americans. And so that's something that's kind of interesting too, because it used to be official, official. They are where Native Americans come from. But now, now they're it's... like, well, now they're amongst because the church did, I think, a, a genetics study or something mm -hmm. like that and found, like, obviously, scientifically proven fact that, you know, Native Americans have a lot of Asian descent, Asian, right? Because yep. of the Bering Bering, the land bridge or whatever it yeah. was. I'm, I, I want to make sure that I'm not, like, ex <laughs> showing an expert opinion because yeah. I am not an expert. But nope. that's just what I <laughs> remember mind. hearing. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, then they found that out and they're like, Oh, Lehi didn't go to China. No, he didn't. Oh, Nephi didn't go to Tokyo. Well, that gets into my point is there's all these They're little not from Mongolia. Lo <laughs> like logical fallacies like the fact that apparently they like the Book of Mormon describes them like fighting with certain weapons, right? Mm -hmm. That were never excavated or found. So archaeological evidence archaeological is something that you're hung up on like, with it. Never showed that swords were introduced to the Americas. Yeah. in whatever century they came supposedly came across in right it's like 
fifth century BC or sixth. Yeah, century they BC. were introduced with um, the conquistadors, right? Mm-hmm. And there was and there was no evidence ever found of like these, like the stuff that they would have brought over beforehand. Yeah. Right? And then so uh, then I did some more research and more research, and I was like, oh well, all right. Um, this definitely is, you know, there's there's just a like the way my brain works analytically, like this doesn't add up. I'm not going to fully buy into it, right? And that's that's kind of where my research ended. Okay. I don't know. I forget what we were talking. Why? Well, because you were like walking through the tabernacle and and looking at the history, and we were talking about like how I asked you if if you had done any sort of like specific yeah. research. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I will say about Mormonism in general is I value their their sense of I don't know, pride or, or I don't know the word for it, but they value their sense of family very well. Oh, okay. Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a really good job of of putting an emphasis on supporting families. Yeah. They And that's just what I found living in, in Utah. Like whether it's wards and whether the, the events they put on, like, and they just... They just do a good do a good job doing that, and I I think you can see that because and you're and this is a pretty broad strokes like the church as a whole as a whole and like when you go to church there's always and like to me it's overwhelming but maybe just to other people they always come up and be like oh here come to this event come to this event how are they're, you doing today right they're very yeah. like in your face about it the nicest cult members you've ever met the nicest cult <laughs> members you've ever met yes uh, yes but like I, there's a reason why people raised in the church are married by the time they're 20 and having kids by the time they're 21 whereas yeah. like most of the people you meet at least at least that i'm around mm-hmm. aren't having kids till their mid-20s later yeah yeah you know? no and something that uh, when i was living in salt lake i'm you know was uh i went and met uh, just met up with one of my uh, high school friends and uh, her roommate was um, like had already been divorced and she mm-hmm. was like in her you know early 20s mid 20s yeah and that's actually something that I think is starting to become more and more common oh, in Utah is well, like people getting married young and then realizing like oh this is someone that I don't really actually yeah, love statistically they have they have a lot of things you just barely say testicular like testicularly (laughs) testicularly mormons get married young you meant statistically statistically uh whatever you guys know what i mean anyway they um there's lots of of red flags like they have the highest prescription drug overdose um drug use and drug overdoses in in families the highest frequency of porn subscriptions yeah like tons of stuff that point towards like unhealthy unhealthy family dynamics mm-hmm. right which again which kind of counters what but i just said not saying that like watching porn means that your family's fucked up but like i see what you're saying of there's a lot of stuff that's not being taken into account about the current mental health or health status of mormons in Salt Lake, yeah, which like counter is kind of counter is what I just said, where they have like support families really well. Yeah, and I so and I'm like so well. Yeah, so I think what you're trying to say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, go ahead. Um, it sounds like what you mean is the Mormon, broadly, generally speaking, the church mm-hmm. as a whole, and I would agree is they have this sense of community. Yes, this sense of overall, you're going to have a lot of support. Like, dude. The LDS Church were the first people to respond to Hurricane Katrina. They got there before FEMA did. Oh yeah, that's how organized the church is. 
Yeah, I mean they're 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 very efficiently run economically. Yeah, I've di- I actually did a little research into that. Like mm-hmm. you could point to some of their stuff, like investments that they've done, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they also have a very nice economic security and the way they like. Well, efficient. have you ever met? Have you ever met someone from like a, a quote unquote Salt Lake Mormon who mm-hmm. wasn't like financially stable? No, at least <laughs> from the perception, right? at face value for not like knowing their personal lives and everything and not knowing their finances. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they have the Bishop's pantries and like all these different things mm-hmm. that like in the, in the event that you have, you know, struggles financially. And if you're a member, like the ward or the stake is going to, you know, come and help you out. Like, yeah. hey, dude, I've been a part of, I mean, it, it was some, the same type of thing in the, in the AUB as well as like, there was like work projects almost oh, yeah. every weekend during the summer. Um, and the whole community would come up and they would be like, dude, bring a shovel, bring a rake. We're doing yard work. And it's yeah. like you do yard work for two and a half hours at, you know, some family's place that just needed it to happen. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, most of the people in the AUB are, you know, blue collar construction job type of oh, folks. Yeah. So there's a lot of different skill sets, plumbers, uh, people who know how to do roofing and construction and framing and, mm-hmm. and siding and interior, exterior, cabinet shop, oh, like all, all the these different things. Oh, so yeah. basically the, the community is almost self-sufficient in and of itself of like, if they need anything to get done, if your car broke down, if you need to, you know, do a renovation on your bathroom, like mm-hmm. there's someone in the community that can help you with that. And Mormonism, yeah. since it's so much bigger, you can do that so much more quickly. Oh yeah. And it's like, that's, that's their strengths. And I guess, um, going back to what we we're talking about with all the issues that come up in, you know, that Mormon, like the Salt Lake area, mm-hmm. like the greater Salt Lake area that we're talking about, is that I don't think they put enough, they put a lot of value into the community, but they don't put enough value into supporting like the underlying issues, right? Like a little bit more of the individuality behind what might be considered as like not healthy. Yeah, well, in general, like, I remember thinking when I living there, like, I'm just, I'm very chill, I'm very confident when I am. I would go to the grocery store in, like, sweats and a t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. And especially living in Lehigh, where, where my grandma lived, it was like, I was like, I, I looked like a bum, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody would get dressed up to go places. And I realized really quickly, it was all about presenting the fact that you... <laughs> look you had it all together which i think creates what we were just talking about that if you don't look like you have it all together then you need to figure it out if you can't you can't get caught looking you can't get caught not having it together essentially yeah so one of my (laughs) my high school coach uh he obviously like he knew about pinesdale Mm -hmm. and and the you know lifestyle and everything and he's, you know, now one of the most important people in my life for sure. You're talking about uh, Corvallis? Yeah. 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 And we were just, I was at his house one day and we were just, you know, having a beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, he, we were just got on the subject some, somehow, some way we started talking about Mormonism and, and whatever. And he said, you know, and he's a very blunt dude, very, mm-hmm. very honest. And he said, you know. It seems like Mormonism is not really the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, it seems like Mormonism is just basically the Church of Jesus Christ and keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to put it. <laughs> and I was like, I, and I can't speak because I have never been a full-fledged member of the church. 
it seems as though the perception and what you're trying to get at as well is that like you felt as though you were the outsider because you were wearing sweats and a ratty t-shirt because it, it was a saturday because it was a saturday and you were up. yeah and you're just dude you're going to get like milk or whatever it is yeah, you know at the grocery exactly. store so <laughs> yeah. it's like you know the the pressure to look good the pressure to oh dude here's a great story okay so yeah, um so when i was living in salt lake uh the girlfriend that i had at the time um i had obviously like told her about my background and everything mm. and and we both decided to go to Temple Square. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't take the tour or whatever because I've been to Temple Square so many freaking times that I could probably give the tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was like springtime-ish, uh, still kind of chilly yeah. during the day from what I remember. Um, if she hears this episode, she'll probably call me and be like, it actually wasn't like that. <laughs> um, no, she was great. Um, but she and I started going, or we just went to Temple Square. And... I always get kind of weirded out when I go there mm-hmm. um, just because I have I, a I've been there so many times and B now it has just so much more just from all the personal stuff that I've done um, with my own research and, and mm-hmm. now I don't subscribe to the beliefs of Mormonism anymore um, or anything like that so going to Temple Square is always kind of like an uncomfortable feeling I feel like a square peg in a circle hole mm-hmm. type of idea right yeah and so I'm just kind of like on edge a little bit and she's like dude are you okay like what's going on and so the reason why I bring this up and what made me think about it is that I was wearing like a a wool sweater oh, I remember this I remember and I had long story. hair <laughs> and you know a you know a beard like it is now right mm-hmm. so not completely trimmed but also not raggedy mm-hmm. you know and and we're walking around and we are both, uh, we have, uh, we had already imbibed organic material. Uh, <laughs> and so imbibed. a good, uh, that basically like sets the stage for me not really feeling that great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're walking around and I'm kind of just solemn and she's, you know, wanting to, you know, talk about and talk about stuff. And so we're just chit chatting and everything. And it, it wasn't horrible. It was just kind of, for me, it was a little just, Mm-hmm. out of place a little bit off center yeah and um we're just like sitting there next to the reflection pool in front of the temple and there is in my opinion like there's just like this sense of majesty of the the salt lake temple because it's the oh, most it's... iconic thing in mormonism like it's literally like on their logo yeah <laughs> you know yeah on their pamphlets and stuff either that or space jesus <laughs> <laughs> um and so we're sitting there and we're just chatting about whatever. And, and we see all of these. And when you go to Temple Square, you'll see men in suits mm, and yep. you'll see They'll women. come up and ask you. If you well, I mean, yeah, because there's missionaries something. and there's sister missionaries and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So everyone typically, I mean, if you're going there, more than likely you're going to look pretty nice. Me and my girlfriend at the time oh, were yeah. not looking like Mormons at all. And we started looking around more and more and everyone was just looking immaculate, like more than normal, oh, right? Yeah. Like... All of the all of the dudes that were there were wearing very nice tailored fitted suits. Mm-hmm. All of the women yep. were wearing like very oh, yeah. very nice dresses, and we're like, "What is going?" Like on? you feel it? like you're going to a ball or something. Yeah, or yeah. like a wedding or something yeah. like that. But like even more so than that, we were like, "What is going on?" And we realized that everyone there were high schoolers, and it was prom. Oh, I yeah. Get it. So they were taking their prom photos in Temple Square. And so, I mean, definitely like a place to go. It's very beautiful, very picturesque. Like, I mean, they have a spot in Temple Square that is like for married couples to take photos on. It's like this, you know, cylindrical. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So like there's a spot to take pictures. That's how picturesque this place is. Right. And, um, 
and we're there and we see all these you know immaculately dressed mm-hmm. people and we're like dude is there like a red carpet event that's what it's felt like right mm-hmm. um tuxedos all that stuff and there's this group of of teenagers taking their picture in front of the temple and you know how like i'm sure you probably had this at your high school maybe maybe not because it was so tiny but Mm -hmm. the idea of like a guy who's probably not the best looking kind of awkwardly built and he Mm -hmm. wanted to have a date to prom and so he asked this girl who's like super cute and just the nicest girl so she said yes yes because she doesn't want to be mean right so it was that kind of situation from what i gathered um and and he's there and he's just you could just tell that he is just not feeling good about it he was just awkward and not a lot of confidence and so uh me and my girlfriend at the time were just like people watching right and we're like, mm-hmm. oh man this Which is, is really fun. interesting yeah it's just yeah. fun anyway especially when you're people watching mormons <laughs> <laughs> in temple square <laughs> in temple square um and we're we're watching him and he's just like trying to just be comfortable enough to be with his mm-hmm. date and you can tell that she was just like uh, she was feeling awkward because he was just not being able to be normal he's not he's not confident <laughs> he's right not now. yeah 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 exactly so yeah. He, you could tell that he was like herky and jerky like putting his arm around her for pictures and like <laughs> you could tell that he was like trying to decide where to put his hand oh yeah he's like he was like awkward okay, sixth so grader's like that movie, uh, you know that part in hitch have you seen hitch with yeah. will smith and Kevin yeah. james okay yeah. so like uh he's like trying to tell him like where to put his hand it's like if you don't you don't want to grab ass so don't go too low, but you also don't want to go too high because you're not friends. Like you want to very you know, the small of the back, you know, like all this oh, yeah. stuff, all yeah, this yeah. advice. Um, and so you could tell that he was like, and I literally saw him look at her back, look at his hand back and forth and be like, okay, where should where, I? Where's the sweet spot? Okay. And then he was like, and he didn't know, mm-hmm. he didn't have the awareness that that's exactly what he was doing in that moment. So people noticed that's what he was doing, which made it more awkward, oh, right? Oh man, Poor So guy. it was just, it was a, a cyclical, he was circling the drain, man. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he hover handed her. Oh no, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, he like went and you did the hover hand thing, which, oh man, great, good on him to like have the intentions of like not wanting to make her feel so uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's fine. That's great. But also more than likely it would be okay for you to, you know, in that moment, it's your date, you know, and obviously don't be a jackass about shit, you know, don't be grabbing ass or whatever. But he was just so awkward and I, I start to feel awkward. Right. And I'm like maybe 50 feet away and mm. there's like a lot of people in between us. And I'm like looking at him from across like the cobblestone. You well, can, not cobblestone, that's, but that's, like. See, that's an issue in itself. If you can see what's going on, the problem from like 50 people in between you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I got to say something. I got to do, I got to do something. So I went up to him and okay, keep in mind, I have long hair that's down to my collarbones. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing a wool sweatshirt. This is when. So this is what I remember from you is you were Jesus back then. Oh, you were you had the Jesus story. haircut and the beard. Yeah, and... I had a little bit of a beard. I looked like I looked like the Mormon version of Jesus. Yeah. And so I go up to him and I was like, "Hey man, hey, come here." And he sees me. Looks essentially like a hobo. Um and he uh, he was just very uncomfortable. And I was like, hey, man, look, come here. I want to tell you something. And he was like very sketched out. And oh, I, was I, like, I mean, I might be. Oh, I mean, I would have been too if I looked at me. <laughs> and I go up and I was like, hey, man, look, just it's a, I understand that it's a really awkward right now between you and her. And he like, <gasps> like, you know, he's like, you know what's going on. And I was like, just just put your hand on her waist. It's going to be OK. What's the worst that she can say? You know, 
If, oh, she, yeah. if she tells you no, then you respect those wishes and it's all good. But relax, man, breathe. And he was take like, a, take a chance. <sighs> okay. I, uh, and so you could tell that he was like needing some sort of like assistance. <laughs> and so I said, dude, just take a breath, put your hand on her waist. It's going to be fine. And so he's like, okay, okay. And I was like, dude, you can do this. You can do this. You, you know, can, I want to give him this encouragement because not so much that I wanted to have him feel better, but I was feeling so awkward that I had to help. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, funny. And he went up and he, you could tell, like, he went up back to the group of people and they were like watching me talk to him. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what is this? What, is, what does that guy say to you or whatever? So he's just like waiting for the next picture. And so it was her, his and his date's turn for their individual photo. Oh, right. That's, so that's all great. eyes are on him and they have their own hired photographer and, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And he is, they're standing side by side and they're waiting because all of the other couples were doing like, you know, the, the typical mm, prom photo, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he just like standing there super awkward and he just kind of was herky and jerky with all of his movements, like I said. And she was so done with his awkwardness that she like grabbed his waist and like yanked him into her. Oh man. And he was just kind of like, <gasps> and... <laughs> And so he like just kind of like slapped his hand on the side of her. She went, <laughs> poor guy. And he just like so stiff. And I was in the back behind the his group of friends. And I was like waving at him to try and get his <laughs> oh attention. Goodness. Like, like you know, look, look at me. And I was like doing like motions of like, oh, breathe. breathe. Buddy, come on, you can relax. do it. Relax, relax. Tranquilo. <laughs> yeah. Mas tranquilo. <laughs> right. And he like looked at me and kind of like nodded his head and went. <sighs> and then he just like. You could tell he was a lot more fluid with his mo no, with his movements and everything, him. and he like was able to. And she kind of like had this sense of relief on her face and everything. And I was so glad, you know, that this guy was able to get the confidence and stuff. But it was just kind of one of those funny moments of oh, like, oh man, you were the hero that saved his day. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm this amazing person at all, but like, well, I mean, you were. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're very flattering. Thank you, but. Um, but yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like super happy to help out this guy. That was, I mean, I was so. I was so uncomfortable. And he needed he needed a breakthrough. He needed a little coach, right? <laughs> he, he just needed it. Yeah, it was it was so funny to me. And then oh, afterwards, yeah. I got done, and my girlfriend at the time was like, "Dude, what was up with him? Like, he was so awkward." And now it's fine. And so now we wanted to like watch him go about the rest of his evening. Yeah, you want to watch your pride. And your, so your... you could tell that like with each passing moment, like, oh, I put my hand on her waist. Oh, she didn't yell at me. Oh, she didn't slap my hand and pepper spray me. Oh, okay, that's this good. Is okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. It's all good. She wants to be here. She, you know, or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. But it was one of those moments of like really like getting a, a real look into, um, yeah. Mormon culture for teenagers at that time who live in Salt Lake. But I mean these, these guys were wearing just the nicest suits and tuxes, and the girls were wearing just incredible. Oh yeah. I mean I know that's definitely something too in in Mormonism is like they they they. They go all they, they go, go hard. all out for these these like formal events. Mm -hmm. Like there, I just my um I I don't know how she's related to me. Anyways, a relative of mine I saw her post on Instagram how her daughter um they canceled all the the proms at the school for because of COVID, COVID right? Yeah. So they the a parent went out of her way to and the, of course she's probably very wealthy and has this really nice house to host a party for like three hundred students. Of course, there's probably tons of legal issues with COVID in this, mm -hmm. right? But in the same fact that they valued it so much that they didn't care about all the COVID rules and and they threw a prom essentially for 300 students 
And when I looked at all the videos that she posted, it was immaculate. Like, it would have been better than the school prom. Yeah. It was, like, incredible. Like, beautiful backyard with a pool and, like, lights strung everywhere and, like, a DJ, professional DJ. Mm-hmm. This is just somebody just put on because they needed to have a prom. Wow. They couldn't go without not having a prom. Oh, my God. And, like, obviously 300 students showed up. I'm like, well, yeah, that's basically like what we're both trying to say. I think is like the keeping up with the Joneses and like, no, this is important. This needs to happen. This prom needs to happen. Yes. Yeah. COVID aside, it needs to happen. It doesn't matter if over 200,000 people have died. We're gonna have prom. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that just points to what we're talking about, but yeah, that's a roundabout way of getting to our point. (laughs) (laughs) I know we get tangential. Well, that's fine though. It's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to chat about? Oh, I don't know. We could go. We didn't actually talk too much about polygamy, did we? I mean, we, we went into a lot of like the Mormonism and the family dynamics of it all, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I could go into more about my uh, my actual polygamous life. Yeah, do it. Let's get into it. I don't know. Well, where, where should we start? We so, already I mean, we we know about t- my dad. We, yeah, we, ch- we touched on like the Sunday school part and how you were raised to... Um, not be a polygamist mm-hmm. oh yeah. okay so like grandpa said like polygamy is not for everybody oh yeah that's something that i think is kind of interesting as well because i agree mm-hmm. um i also have the idea that um polygamy while it isn't for everybody it's something yeah. that i don't know if mm-hmm. is right for everyone at all yeah. i don't know how i feel about that yet so i'm still kind of in my infancy with that sort of emotion and, and that thought and opinion yeah i mean so, I, have, I have i have some mixed feelings about it. the way i've talked to um I, t- I usually tell people and i've told my wife is that i choose to be monogamous but i have no problem with polygamy and honestly i could be if i like i could be okay with it if i like went like hey i want to make this conscious decision now i would never do that because mm-hmm. i don't want to i'm very happy with where i am and i know there's like a whole different dynamic that i don't want to take on right mm-hmm. but like i've been raised in it i've seen it work like yeah. my family like it worked like there is obviously family you know strife and stress and different things drama right that happened but for the most part i was i grew up in a very successful and healthy family dynamic yeah right and so i've seen it work and so i could like emulate that if i wanted to Mm -hmm. i could go about and emulate that right partners willing but i don't want to right yeah and i'm happy being monogamous yeah and i think that's that's the what i go back to like the unique perspective thing of like being raised with that kind of dual dynamic being able to see both sides of the coin yeah because you were raised in it but you you were raised in it but not in a way that was like you are going to live this way yeah yeah and that's kind of the way i i approach like polygamy in general is it's not about it's not about polygamy that's important right for you yeah it's 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 how you live your life that really has come down to it and in my opinion anybody can be polygamous if they want to i don't care if like a wife has three husbands or a husband has three wives right Mm -hmm. you know you can you can live a successful and happy family life but it's not it's not contingent upon how many wives you have or how many husbands you have yeah it's contingent upon how you treat each other and the values you place down and prioritize Mm -hmm. yeah so the ultimate point is like yeah you're not you're not bogged down by the minutiae of what you believe and and well maybe not that like you're not bogged down with like the labels 
No. Okay. And I think that got to me really early on, right around 16, actually, when I started thinking about this stuff and going to different, you know, Christian churches. Okay. So that's something, that's a, a place where we can go. So you, you were raised in this interesting lifestyle because grandpa was mm-hmm. a polygamist. Yeah. Taught you to not be, but then you also started investigating like other types of religions and, and belief systems. Yeah. I mean, I've always been very spiritual and I like to think about that stuff. I've always been kind of philosophical in my head. Okay. And so I, right around 16, I decided I'm going to go like check out this youth group in this church just because I wanted to on my own. Yeah. My dad encouraged me like, Hey, if that's something you want to do, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. Um, I'm going to encourage you actually mm-hmm. figure out on your own. And so I do this and... I think what I really enjoyed was the community, having like friends just to like be organized, hang out that didn't lead towards like parties or drugs or whatever it was. It was, it was clean and it was just a way to like have a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Cause most of the stuff, I wasn't really that into partying. Not that it was like something I shame other people for doing. It just wasn't me. And it was a way for me to get a community without having to feel pressured to go to parties. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's what I kind of did. And then I realized really quickly that the actual church dynamic, I didn't get along with. Oh, really? So you, you were there, so you went there for kind of like not only the social part, but also the spiritual part, but you, I mean, let me know if I'm wrong on this, but it sounds like you went there to find kind of a little bit more of a broader sense of community that also well it's more like i just kind of happened upon it and i go in like thinking oh i'm gonna go to church i'm gonna go to youth i'm gonna like see what this whole christian thing's about Uh, because i've been raised to believe in my dad's still like taught out of the scripture right yeah yeah. but i wasn't christian per se so i went to the church kind of exploring and then i realized i I like the community i like hanging out with people and talking with people about the stuff but i don't like going to church and I don't like just having somebody, having this pastor preach to me mm-hmm. and I can't say anything back. I can't raise my hand and be like, well, what about this? You know, I could in my dad's Sunday school. Yeah. And I could if we're like talking, if I'm talking with a friend or I'm talking with like a leader in a small group setting, I can be like, oh, well, what? Like, I have a problem with this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I hated church because I, I just wanted to fall asleep. <laughs> I would like, I would love to just go to church and take a nap. No, yeah. like nothing against church per se. I just don't like the setup of it. Dude, okay, so have you ever heard of the pillow tie? No. Oh my God. Is it like a tie that it's a pillow that you just Dude, okay, wrap so, head okay. so I have a pillow tie and it was a gag gift. I think it started off as a gag gift type of thing. But now it's a real thing. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it's like a genuine thing that people like definitely get toward. But so basically the pillow tie is a tie, mm-hmm. right? And... If you know Mormons, you know ties. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> and there is basically like a small sleeve of a plastic pouch mm-hmm. that has the same like valve as like a beach ball on it. Mm-hmm. And you like flip it around and you blow air into it. And it becomes <laughs> this small like cylindrical type of pillow that you're able to like put in between your neck oh, or your head just... and your shoulder that you can like rest and take a nap during oh, church. Man. That would be perfect. <laughs> so like, it was definitely like a, a gag gift involving like falling asleep during church. Well, I mean, like the way I think about falling asleep during church is it's this really nice setting. It's super calm. You have this usually monotonous pastor talking to you, like he's, Real he's soothing you to sleep. 
Yeah. And I can't I can't engage with him. I just have to listen to him. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to fall asleep. That's what I want to do every time. Yeah. And so that's why I didn't get along with church. Um, it's also why the reason I teach, I can't be like the stand-up teacher that talks to you all day. Um, you want to have a little bit more engagement, discussion yeah, style. Yeah, I, I hate just talking to my kids all day. It yeah. drives me crazy. But, I mean, that's so that's why I kind of like going into church so like oh i'm gonna move away from this i'm just i just want to be a part of like the community mm-hmm. and like hang out with people my age in a clean environment yeah and that's yeah and then from there um growing up from there it was like after i realized i'm not really part of the church i went on this like really big deep spiritual journey of like well what do i believe if i don't have to tie into like just church just real christianity or mormonism yeah let me figure it out on my own and like we could go into that that's a whole different rabbit trail mm-hmm. but i think what what all started this journey was the i'm fact following that, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> well what's the, what all started this journey was the fact that polygamy and more and like the that unique perspective that i keep going back to yep. started me on this journey of i can think for myself and i don't have to sit here in church and just be and actually think the way the pastor does i don't have to take it for granted so this is going back to like what grandpa was talking about with like don't just assume that the person that is talking to you is you know has the right answers oh yeah and which is probably why i didn't like church because i'd go to church and i'd be like well hey i have a problem with this but i can't speak up Mm. so i'm gonna disengage myself now okay yeah Yeah. well (laughs) that's definitely how we've like (laughs) like lived our lives of like hey just because you say that doesn't make it right doesn't make it right just because you're in a (laughs) position of authority or whatever yeah okay so you went on this journey that was you know the spiritual type of tinge like what do i believe and you were investigating this church this youth group this that and then you were like oh, i fall asleep don't like it and then what happened from there well i mean i guess that about that was about the time i went to college and then i again like i'm gonna try church again didn't like church so really i just like did my own thing and like did my own research but i kept going to like different church youth group services only for the fact that i could hang out with people so it was a social thing for you it was a social thing purely um but underneath it all i kept getting bothered by the fact that you know i don't really believe any of this anymore Mm -hmm. i'm not really a big fan of this whole idea that you know you have to accept jesus christ and then all of a sudden everything's clean for you yeah i never really bought into that and then you know and like kind of what we talked about with mormonism and the fact that it has its dark side but it has its pluses every religion probably is that way Mm -hmm. christianity obviously has its dark spots historically and whatnot and yeah yeah, there's 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 skeletons in every closet oh yeah and i think it's easy to for me to be like well i see your skeletons i'm gonna go somewhere else or i'm gonna do my own thing Mm -hmm. but again i wanted that social aspect and present day it's I i feel like everybody whether you're atheist or mormon or whatever everybody has some sort of belief system yeah that's above them you know that they at least want to feel connected to whether you're atheist you're you're feeling connected to the fact that you know that there's nothing above you and that you need to live presently you know something along those so you so to you it sounds like uh, again let me know if i'm not accurate with this but i want to make sure i'm understanding is that for you it seems as though people regardless of what they truly whatever they believe in your ultimate point is like people want to feel connected to something the tether in and of itself yeah or or at least they they want okay. to whether it's not they want to feel connected to something like an atheist or somebody who's very like agnostic might say well i don't really want to feel connected to anything i just want to 
feel connected to myself then or like the present moment they yeah. want to feel connected towards connected to something whether it's them the judeo-christian god allah vishnu yeah and i think it's where people want to live donald trump yeah yeah i'm kidding kind of <laughs> yeah people want to feel some sort of I don't know. I don't. There's no real way to put like a spiritual high, you know, a, some yeah, sort of no, connection. Yeah, yeah to, a spiritual experience. I mean, that's something that is kind of foundational to Mormonism is in, in and of itself is a spiritual experience. Like Joseph oh, Smith yeah. had the spiritual experience of the first vision, allegedly. Yeah, right. Definitely. And so the, I mean, and that's something that is also pervasive through every religion, at least the ones that I can think of. And by the way, for anyone listening, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like I don't know if like other religions actually like have their foundations upon spiritual experiences or not. It just oh. seems as though that's kind of the I trend. mean, there's a quote like I I know nothing on the subject, but I'm happy to give you my expert opinion. <laughs> right. Like I'm happy that to should give be you the my... title of this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's up on like my mom's wall cuz she's a little like she works in a school, right? Mm -hmm. she, people always call her with problems and that's what she says, but Yeah. Um that I feel like that's the way I'm trying to talk about Christian and Mormonism really, when really I'm like, oh, I've done a little like Googling. Yeah, my <laughs> yeah. YouTube Wikipedia research. <laughs> yeah, it shows me I know everything now. Yeah, exactly. No, but that's when you get down to it, I, that's what I feel like everybody's like searching for. They're always searching for something. You know, there's the mm -hmm. comics that I always see like we're trying to fill a hole with ourselves. You can put a cross yeah. in it. You can put whatever you want in it, mm -hmm. right? But people are trying to find something to make them feel whatever that is whatever you want, spiritual high you know whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and i just went through my own journey just like everybody else and when it comes down to it that's again where i lead back to um you have to you have to see people for that underlying motivation like what are they trying to do to fill that and then so don't judge somebody because they're christian or mormonism like think this is what they've been like either raised to do or this is what they're trying to figure out in their life mm -hmm. and then see the motivation behind that and i think it gives you an insight to like helping people and seeing them for who they are rather than you know yeah that journey to something that's bigger than themselves yeah and that's i think that's where i would say i'm still on right mm -hmm. you know without getting into all the spiritual beliefs that are really philosophical and dogmatic yeah that's an interesting way to, th to think about it and I'm also like, I would say that I'm like in the end game of my journey. Like mm -hmm. I feel pretty confident, pretty solid in what I believe now mm -hmm. and everything. But I mean, from the ages of 14 until now, like it's been horrible in a lot of ways, but also liberating in most of the ways, if that oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I was, you know, just not wanting, I was not willing to accept the fact that I didn't feel great about polygamy well i mean i would ask you that like probably the instigator same as me was the unique dynamic of growing up in a polygamous like household community mm -hmm. but also in the fact that it may or may not have been the right way like you may have struggled with is this the right way or not it forced you to kind of think outside the box i imagine yeah yeah and i'm i'm eternally grateful for grandpa's and then through my mom's idea of being like that that thing i think that's probably one of the most important lessons that i've learned as well is like just because someone has you know some sort of authority over you doesn't make whatever they say you know the gospel or the divine truth mm -hmm. or anything like that like be you have to be able to question you have to be a skeptic you have to be able to look and and what's great is that 
if you take the if you make the effort to find out those answers, usually they'll reveal themselves to you. I mean, that's what is in you know Moroni mm-hmm. is like pray about it. If we're wrong, then that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, one of the articles of faith is talking about how like we I can't remember exactly what it is. I used to have all the articles of faith memorized, but um, talking about how we believe that men should act into the dictates of their own conscience. Yeah. And, um, you know, we grant all others that same privilege, mm-hmm. let them worship how, where, what they may, or whatever it says. Yeah. I think I might have nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. kidding. But, uh, I remember reading it too, but I didn't memorize it. Yeah, so with that, and that was also, again, a point of contention. I mean, we've been talking for a while, but, uh, but yeah, of like, if this belief system has this article of faith. So it's basically like, here's our cornerstones, here's our mm-hmm. foundation, here's what we believe. Here is literally an article mm-hmm. <laughs> of what we believe in. These are these are our faith, or these yeah. are our, our, our beliefs. And one of them is talking about like, yeah, we, we believe this way, and we let everybody else believe their own way, and that's cool. But when you have that against like, the idea that if you don't live polygamy, you're not going to be exalted, or mm, if you are an African American, you're not allowed to and... to possess the priesthood, or or whatever. Yeah. Then it's like, ugh, it starts to get real murky for me really quick. Oh yeah, and that was one of those things where it was like a, a turning point for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, to see what was going on. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a journey that everybody's maybe not should go through, but mm-hmm. like should go through yeah yeah Yeah. it's something that if if you're just kind of and i i hate i i don't enjoy when people are like yeah you can't be a sheep man you gotta be a lion yeah (laughs) it's so dumb like yeah is when people use sheep as like an insult um i don't think that that's like the most i don't know graceful way of saying it but i think that people who who just people who just subscribe to a certain belief system because that's what their parents said or that's because what their boss said or that's because what, you know, their grandpa said or whoever it is, whoever said whatever. um, If you're just blindly kind of going into it and being like, yep, this is the way it is and that's the way it's always going to be. Like that's not a smart place to operate from. I mean, I think it's, you know, there's that that second level of thing of like how to think, not what to think kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And if you can let people operate in that, that, that freedom of thinking for themselves but also having like a structure around that of like like treating people well is what I'm talking about. Like you, I want you to think for yourselves, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still boundaries of like you need to treat somebody well. You're not going to be a dick to somebody and you know. Maybe the name of this podcast should be Don't Be a Dick. Don't, don't be a dick. Don't you be know, a dick. Think for yourself, but don't be a dick. Think for yourself. Don't be a dick. You heard it here first. <laughs> yep. On this, what is the title of this podcast? Polygonometry. Polygonometry. That's right. You said yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Trigono- you should tie it into trigonometry and polygonometry. Well, that's Poly- kind of what it came from. How, what, where does the trigonometry? Well, a triangle. Maybe the tree. The tree thing that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I could bring in some cool formulas, maybe. And in, in. yeah, I was actually thinking about making the cover of the, um, the like logo for the podcast just yeah. be like, um, all the male and female symbols. Like mm. one male, but there's like a lot of like other female symbols around. Oh, like a and keychain, like, like you have not the... not so much like a keychain, but like make a math formula with like triangles and, oh, and diagrams and like you. you know, yeah, yeah. do that be sick? <laughs> yeah, I could just make a bunch of trigonometry formulas and just put those symbols in there and like make it all cool and stuff. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be so great. You want to end it there? Yeah, yeah, that's a good spot to end it. Sweet. Yeah.